disciples all gathered with Jesus for that last meal. They're all there, James and John and Judas and Peter and Philip, Bartholomew and Matthew and all of them. They're all there, reclining around the low table. They talk in a nervous tone. They knew something was going on. They knew something was up. Jesus was kind of tense and a little quiet. He talked, but it seemed as if something was on his mind. Something was distracting him. Jesus, as, the, as he eats the meal, knows that before long, Judas will come with a kiss. The Roman soldiers will come with chains and shackles. And soon he'll stand before Caiaphas, Herod, and Pilate. And in less than 12 hours, he'll be hanging on a cross. The conversation goes back and forth at the meal. And Jesus listens to him speak. Suddenly he stands up, takes off his tunic, wraps a towel around his waist, and takes a basin of water, goes to the end of the table, kneels down, and starts washing the disciples' feet. He brushes off the dust, washes them with the water, and dries them with the towel, one foot at a time. When he's finished, he takes the towel and wipes the feet completely dry. Then he goes to the next disciple, does the same thing. Now in the room, there was silence. Nobody was saying a word because the master is not to wash feet. No one dared speak. They couldn't believe what Jesus was doing. So it seems odd to us that not to it seems odd to us, but it didn't seem as odd. It seemed more odd to them in that century because people wore sandals. The roads were dirt. Feet got dirty. Even on a short trip, your feet ended up covered with dirt. The Romans had built a fine uh, system of roads. That's where they got the, the term, all, ro all roads lead to Rome. But these roads, some of those roads are still in use today. And after constructing a road from one city to the next, the Romans would lay a fine uh, layer of dirt on top, a special kind of dirt. So it's common in the ancient world, when you walk from town to town, your feet would get covered with dirt. So when you went to visit somebody, it was custom to provide a basin of water so you could wash your feet. <clears throat> custom goes back as far as, excuse me, as far as the first four mentions of feet in the Bible, they're all about feet washing. In each case, the water was provided to the visitors who knelt down, removed their sandals, and washed their feet. Simple, common courtesy of the time. And in fact, not to offer water to the guest to wash his feet was a breach in etiquette and actually an act of unkindness toward the visitor. We see this in Luke when Jesus was visiting the home of uh, Simon, the Pharisee, had a pleasant dinner, was interrupted when a woman who had been known to be a prostitute comes in and kneels at Jesus' feet, weeping because of her love for him, dry, then drying her tears with her long hair. Simon was upset. He felt scandalized. He was shocked, outrageous. But knowing what he was thinking, Jesus rebuked Simon with these words. 
Do you see that woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water to wash my feet. And yet she washes it and dries it with her hair. You didn't give me any kiss, but this woman has kissed my feet since I've been here. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. This woman loves so much because she had been forgiven so much. Simon didn't see himself as a great sinner, so he didn't even bother to offer Jesus water, the common custom. Water for his feet, a kiss for a welcome, and oil on his head. He offered none of those. In those days, you normally washed your own feet. When you went to a house, they gave you the water to wash your own feet. You knelt down, removed your sandals, and washed your feet. If the man was well-to-do and he had servants, <clears throat> this was a mark of high achievement to have the servants wash your feet. It just was, it showed your status in the world. But under no circumstances ever would the host wash the guest's feet. The master would never stoop so low as to wash feet. Slaves washed feet masters didn't. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but feet stink. They get dirty. This is a human fact, not a cultural observation. After a long, hard day, your feet have, been, have absorbed a pounding. If you wear sandals, they have been exposed to dirt everywhere. If your feet are in socks, which I think might be worse, because then they get sweaty and stinky. Then you have the, uh, the other problems, and please bear with me. Ingrown toenails, corns, cracked heels, calluses, and for some people, fungus. All kinds of different funguses on your toenails and feet. Yeah. It's no great revelation to say that People don't pay much attention to their feet, especially men. Uh, we pay much, more atten much less attention than women. For men, feet are those things at the end of our legs. We think about them when we buy shoes. We think about them when they hurt. That's about it. Lots of men go a lifetime without ever having a pedicure. For women, it's a rather different matter. But still, most of us don't think much about our feet unless they're bothering us. Have you ever tried to wash someone's feet at the end of a long day? Hot day? Sweaty day? You ever tried to wash somebody's feet, wash somebody's feet when it's covered in dirt, soot, and mud? Have you ever put your face right down there next to an ingrown toenail? No. I have no objection whatsoever to the practice of washing feet. We have to think about all the consequences. But I think it is a beautiful remembrance of that night, that Thursday night in the upper room. But you know, going to a foot washing service, what's the first thing you're gonna do before you go? You're gonna wash your feet. That's what we do, and that's a natural thing, because we don't want anybody touching our dirty, nasty feet. But that's the whole point. 
If your feet ain't dirty, they don't need washing. If they need washing, somebody has to stoop down and wash your feet. They have to get up close and personal with your dirty, stinky feet. For most of us, that can be embarrassing and sometimes humiliating, depending on the feet. <clears throat> but if you've ever had a foot massage or pedicure, you know how good it can feel. But also if you have tried, but also if you have tired, aching feet, sometimes those foot massages can be a little bit painful. But after they're done, oh man. Yeah, it's like you have new feet. It still can be a very awkward experience making your feet. I mean, I used to go, I'll be, be honest with you, used to go get pedicures re religiously with my wife. Every, like every three weeks or whatever we'd go and I'd get a pedicure. But then my feet started getting grody and I don't go anymore. I don't want anybody looking at my feet. So in the end, you sacrifice the massage because your feet are messed up. Getting your feet massaged is humbling. To have someone clean your feet is even more humbling. Now, that may not be apparent, but when you think about it, your feet carry an enormous load. Some of us, my feet carry more load than most. Did you know that the average person walks the equivalent to three times around the earth in their lifetime? And the foot itself is a complex mechanism. 23 bones, 33 joints, and over 100 muscles and tendons. Whether you know it or not, your feet represent all of you. After all, wherever your feet go, the rest of you has to go, right? Your feet take you anywhere you want to go. That's why the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Because the feet are a humble part of our body, washing them touches us deeply and reveals our truest feelings. That's why Peter reacted so strongly on that Thursday night when Jesus approached him with the basin and the towel. In the Greek words, his response was even stronger. When you translate it into English, it's something like this. It's focusing on the words, you and my. <clears throat> As if Peter were saying, you, my feet, are washing. But even that doesn't express it all. Peter continues, he says, how can it be that you, my Lord, should wash my feet? Wash the feet of someone like me. Peter felt that he was simply not right. This whole situation wasn't right. And somehow the roles should have been reversed. It violated all that he thought was holy and sanctified, all that he was taught for Jesus to touch his dirty feet. This simply should not happen. It can't happen. Peter felt unworthy to have Jesus wash his feet. <clears throat> By the way, one thing that's kind of uh, interesting, this conversation between Peter and Jesus is the longest documented conversation they have in the Bible. And everything Peter says, I love Peter to death, but everything Peter says is wrong. Don't you love Peter? I mean, you got to love the guy. He, he swings from this side to this side without missing a beat. 
the more Peter talks, the more confused he gets. First, he's shocked. Then he flatly denies and refuses to let Jesus wash his feet. Then he tells Jesus, heck, give me a whole bath, wash my whole body. He speaks out of confusion, born from frustration and complete misunderstanding. Nothing that Jesus says or does makes any sense to Peter right now. In verse 6, he refuses Jesus in the strongest language possible. He uses so many negatives that we can't translate it into English properly. It means something like this. You will never, ever wash my feet. Not now, not ever, absolutely not. To which Jesus calmly replies, okay, fine. But if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. After that's when Jesus impulsively says, okay, give me a bath, wash my whole body, give it all. You just got to love Peter. I just, he just amazes me all the time. He doesn't understand, but what he wants Jesus to know is that he wants to be a disciple through and through. Even though he doesn't understand the meaning, he wants it to be done. That's what I mean when I say that foot washing exposes the heart. The lack of water for foot washing exposes Simon the Pharisee. It's callous indifference. Peter's confusion reveals the depth of his dedication. He wants to follow Jesus with clean feet, a clean heart, and with every other part of his body to be cleaned as well. <clears throat> Don't miss the fact that, according to John, the meal had already started. Jesus began washing feet in the middle of the meal. But in that time, it was custom to wash your feet before you ate, before you sat down to eat. <clears throat> Why hadn't they washed each other's feet at the beginning of the meal? Why hadn't someone washed Jesus' feet? Why did they start the meal with dirty feet, period? No doubt the events of the final few days had distracted them just a little bit. <clears throat> But we get a greater clue in Luke, which tells us that the upper room, after Jesus had instituted the Lord's Supper, a dispute arose among the disciples of which was to be considered the greatest disciple. You got to picture that, right? <clears throat> Jesus just acknowledged and, and, and started the Last Supper. He started basically communion. Special, that's got to be a special time. And the disciples were worried about who's going to be the best. Who's number one? No wonder it was left to Jesus, the master, to wash feet. To be the servant. To be the servant among these big shots who all wanted to be number one. They never understood the importance of their lives and the meaning of what they were taking place in. That's when Jesus meant, that's what Jesus meant when he told Peter, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. The dirt on their feet symbolized the dirt they carried on the inside. <clears throat> the outer stain from dusty roads mirrored the inner stain of sin. No washing with water could ever remove. Jesus putting on the servant's towel pictured the willingness to die for the, the death of a common criminal 
and the water stood for his blood that cleansed sins. It was a very important act that they just didn't get at that time. <clears throat> the washing itself stands for the washing of regeneration. That's in Titus 3.5, whereby our sins are washed away. That's why Jesus told Peter that his feet must be washed or he would, ha would not have any part of him. As long as Christ is outside of us, all that he has done for this world is of no value to us. It's not enough to say, yeah, I believe there was a guy back 2,000 years ago named Jesus on a night in the upper room. It was not enough to say, I like the idea of Jesus washing my feet, but I just don't want him washing my feet. As long as you stand apart from Christ, all the knowledge, all the religious experience in the world makes no difference. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon wrote, pointed out Peter's many spiritual advantages that made no difference. <clears throat> Peter was humble, but humility was not enough. Peter experienced miracles, but miracles aren't enough. Peter heard Christ teach, but knowledge was never enough. Peter performed acts of service, but doing good things wasn't enough. Peter witnessed Christ doing many things, but spiritual experience was not enough. And my favorite one, Peter was full of enthusiasm, but even that was not enough. <clears throat> Peter must humbly submit to having his feet washed by the Son of God. And he must do it even though he did not fully understand why. In the same way, coming to Christ is like having our feet washed. We must come to him dirty and unclean, embarrassed by the stain of sin that we carry within us and wanting him to remove it. And we must do nothing and just let Christ do it all. Jesus came to a world with dirty feet. Our journey through life is much dirtier than we think. You never know what you might step in. You never know how defiled and dirty and mucky your feet could get. We don't like to think about it, but it's true. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we work at staying clean, we're all dirtier than we think. And each day, we get dirtier than we, ever, than we started that day. That's why Jesus told Peter, although he was clean already, he needed to have his feet washed. A person who has had a bath needs only wash their feet. Two different words are used in this scripture, one meaning a complete bath, and the other meaning washing something. Coming to Christ and being saved is like taking that complete bath. We are made clean and our sin is washed away. But we still need daily cleansing by the blood of Christ. <clears throat> this picture pictures both of our daily uh, defilement through sin and undergoing the need for cleansing. We learn this from, we learn from that this is the need to be saved once that because we sin every day, we need to be cleansed daily. We need, only need the cleansing daily. We need to have the dirt removed from our feet. When it comes to Christ, the guilt of our sin is removed forever. 
because living we because we live in a dirty world we have to have daily cleansing to wash our feet <clears throat> regeneration can't be repeated but cleansing can and should be and has to be think about the last 24 hours of your life and i did this and actually it kept me up almost all night you've said things that you wish you've never said, hadn't said you have responded without kindness and too quickly. You have done things you wish you hadn't done. You have, shown acts, you have shown no acts of mercy. You are not perfect, neither am I. Now that did keep me up all night because if you think about those things, first, you know, I started trying to make a list which I would have been up for the rest of my life, not just overnight, but it's stuff that, you know, we're not talking about rocket science. We're not talking about things that are hard, talking nice, showing mercy. Those should be things that come natural to us. That's why we need what Jesus offers us. We need to be cleansed again every day. We need salvation that takes away the guilt of our sins and provides for daily cleansing. <clears throat> Jesus fits us for heaven. He gets us prepared. He removes the guilt of sin. And he daily cleanses us from every sin we ever could have if we call on him. So through his bloody death on the cross, Jesus provides all that we need now and forever. Martin Luther said that we should sin boldly. Now, when I first read that, I was kind of confused. You know, Martin Luther telling us to sin boldly. I didn't know the context, and it was kind of outrageous to me at that time. But then I, I ran across, across this quote from a letter Martin Luther sent to a friend of his named Philip, something that I can't pronounce. <clears throat> it says, God does not save those who are, already, who are imaginary sinners. Be a sinner. Let your sins be strong. But let your Christ, trust in Christ be stronger. And rejoice in Christ, who is the victor over sin, death, and the world. We will commit sins. While we're here on earth, we will sin every day. For this life is not a place where justice resides. It suffices that through God's glory, we have recognized that the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world can separate us from him. No sin can separate us from him. Even if we were to do the worst sins imaginable, thousands of times a day, God will cleanse us. Do you think such an exalted lamb paid merely a small price for a meager sacrifice of sins? That's kind of a shocking statement. <clears throat> but I think... Uh, Maybe we have never appreciated the depth of our own sin. And until we see the depth of our sin, we're never going to be able to appreciate the great sacrifice that our Lord made when he died on the cross. Guys, we're not imaginary sinners. Our sins are real, and our sins are daily. We are great sinners who need a great Savior. And we have one in Jesus who stooped so low that he wasn't ashamed to wash people's feet.
Father, we just thank you for being such a great Savior, such a great God, knowing that you can forgive everything that we could ever do. We just thank you for that forgiveness. And we want to live in that, and we want to thrive in that. We want to lead our families in that. We just want you to continue to cover us with your blanket of love and protection. We want you to continue to take care of us, continue to walk with us, continue to guide us, and continue to wash our feet where we need them washed. Continue to wash off the daily dirt that we collect living in this world that we live in. And just know that we know you're there. We know that you're there for us. And we know that you'll continue to take care of us. And we just ask that you continue to walk that road with us. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.